Hello and welcome to the Coffee Gals podcast, brought to you by the team behind the Ottawa Coffee Fest. Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast Café, présenté par l'équipe derrière le Café Fest Ottawa. My name is Mel. Et mon nom est Jen. Every few weeks, we'll be speaking with different people within the industry, so you can get to know more about your favorite local roasters and coffee shops. Let's get started. Today, we're here with Sam Mazella, a trader and licensed Arabica Q grader at RGC Coffee, a third-generation green coffee importer based in Montreal, Quebec. Over the last 10 years, Sam has cultivated many relationships from bean to cup with the goal of creating a more transparent and sustainable supply chain. Sam is also the founder and president of East Coast Coffee Madness, a coffee event in Montreal where industry professionals and coffee lovers meet and learn and grow once a year. Sam was scheduled to give a talk at the 2020 edition of the Coffee Fest, so we're thrilled to have him on our podcast today. We'll be chatting about a few things, including the trading industry and how things have been impacted by COVID-19, as well as the future of coffee events. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for meeting with us. Hi. Hi, Jen. And uh, hi, Mel. How are you guys? We're doing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yourself? <laughs> We're smiling here. We're we're trying to keep positive. We're trying to keep going. We're drinking our coffee. We're doing our our work, and and things are okay. Trying to so, stay zen in the process. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And thank you for having me. I've of uh, obviously we've known each other for for quite a while now, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, our conversation. Yeah. Well, let let's get right into it. So East Coast Coffee Madness. Um, we've been. It's an amazing event, um, very hip, <laughs> uh, <laughs> filled with, uh, you know, a ton of great coffee, great local uh, roasters, a lot of uh, professionals in the industry that sell uh, equipment, uh, anything from equipment to, to, to water providing for, for coffee and uh, milk, you know, anything you want about coffee, if you want to learn about it, go to East Coast Coffee Madness. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yours, so your event has been around for a, a bit longer than ours. So um, how did that all start? And uh, how, like, tell us about it. What was the, the vision behind uh, ECCM? Sure, I'd love to. So I'll start at the beginning. East Coast Coffee uh, Madness was founded in 2015 by Jerome uh, de Biengrenier of Structure Coffee Roasters. Um, his partners at the time were Bianca Lavoie, who is... Uh, is from Café French Toast, and she had uh, the, the number one French-speaking blog uh, in all of Quebec for some time, around the time that we were doing East Coast Coffee Madness. Um, Chris Capel, formerly of, um, I want to say Le Couteau, which was a coffee shop, a very popular coffee shop. The name has changed since then, so I, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering that, but he is now the owner-operator of the Montreal Coffee Academy. Liam Robichaud, who's at Kittel Coffee, Um, and I came on as a sponsor in year one. I was really interested in what was going on. East Coast Coffee Madness was just a really, really fun event that was being held at the Kittel Roastery. There were a hundred people there. George Howell was invited as a guest speaker of George Howell Coffee in Boston. So it was kind of a big deal to us coffee geeks. It was a sweltering hot 45 degree day. I'll never forget how hot it was. We were dying. There was no air conditioning. We were in a roastery. Uh, George Howell was wiping sweat off his brow while he was giving his very interesting talk about freezing coffee prior to serving it. 
Um, and we all realized we had something. The year after we moved to the SAT, which is La Société des Arts et Technologies in Montreal, and we doubled up the capacity. By year four, we realized that we were going to have to switch venues. And um, our last event, we held it over a weekend and we did it at the Montreal Science Center. And we had about uh, 2,500 people show up all together. In, and in we 2019? had a, in 2019. Yes. Nice. So that was our last edition. So that was, that was kind of like we went from 100 people to a few thousand people. We went from a few sponsors to a few dozen sponsors. And we realized how much interest there was in all of this once we attended the Ottawa Coffee Fest. And I believe that was in 2018, your first edition, right? In March of 2018. Uh, 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. So sorry, I got so my dates Yeah. Exactly. So when we went there, we just told ourselves, you know, the, the concept is include everybody, uh, lower your ticket costs, make it so that everybody can come. When we started working for the last event, it, it was really, really difficult to keep up because we just had people coming at us with so many different types of ideas, still wanting to keep the spirit of the show from a speaker-based system, from a speaker-based kind of day, uh, going to grab a beer that night or the night before, prior to and after setup. Um, and then we had to really bring in the big guns. We had to set up stages. We had to bring in video camera crews. We, we brought in speakers, not just locally, but from around the world. We had Phyllis Johnson of BD Imports, who uh, in the last year has not only been so great on the coffee front, but also with the Black Lives Matters movement. Um, you know, her book on um, Black coffee farmers has really made an impact on the world. Uh, we, we've had, you know, coffee buyers from New Zealand come to speak with us Um you know, the states, big companies like Intelligentsia. Um, George Howell was really the guy who kicked it all off. We've had Chris Hendon, you know, the so-called Dr. Coffee. Um, and, and this is where ECCM really was our shining star. We, we focused really on the people. We focused on the quality of the speakers. And then everything else kind of flowed from it. Where, where things kind of went gangbusters is when we had the last event, we realized that people just want to get together in a room and have a coffee and talk about coffee. So the speakers were in a completely separate room and we realized that the bulk of the people that were attending the show wanted to just kind of hang out and not necessarily go see people speak for two days in a row. So, you know, for me, the origins of East Coast Coffee Man is like anything else starts with, you know, a conversation and a beer. And then it spiraled into like something that was really, really cool. And Ottawa Coffee Fest played a big part into getting us to that last iteration of it, which was so much bigger than the first one ever, ever, you know, we ever could have thought it could be. Yeah, it, it does seem like there's kind of a, a trend of there are some of those events that are definitely more geared towards coffee professionals, like people who make careers out of either sourcing or uh, buying or um, just really being roasters, um, which sometimes do tend to be a bit more expensive. But then 
you know, there, there is also like, you know, what, I guess what we were thinking was like, everyone, like everyone likes coffee. Um, how do we kind of make it more accessible for everyone? And um, also like kind of make it like turn into perhaps like an, an educational thing as well. Like, you know, have some farmers come in and, and talk about the process. Like not a lot of people, um, including ourselves when we first started, like we didn't really know too much about the whole, you know, like the, the bean to cup process. So um, it, it it's really funny. It does seem like there are two tiers of, of events and um, it seems as though you kind of started uh, at the industry level and now you're kind of doing a blend between like, uh, you know, general public and industry levels. So I think that's, that's great. You're kind of diversifying and yeah. uh, getting a bigger audience for your sure. event. Sure. I, I, I really, uh, you know, I appreciate that. The, the, uh, the fun part of it over the years is um, we started getting interest from not necessarily only specialty coffee companies. Uh, we started getting interest from bigger companies who wanted to come in and kind of take over the show, make it into something a little bit more corporate. Uh, the, the spirit of the show has always really just been get together with your friends and have conversation, uh, work your best to make sure that the show goes off well, but it was really an excuse just to see our coffee people from outside of town. And, and in that, we were a big success. I mean, we had, we had people from all over the country, all over the United States, and we had people from parts of Europe come join us. Uh, you know, our furthest talker, John Gordon, was from New Zealand. He's the national barista champion from uh, the UK, but he moved to New Zealand, and I think he has that title there too. I Don't quote me on that. It's not like we're recording this or anything. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, John, you know, John graciously just flew, you know, on three separate planes just to come talk for no money. You know, we didn't pay him. We just offered him a sofa to crash on and food for the weekend. And then he just went along back to his business and his family. And, uh, you know, that that really speaks to the the community uh, that we've helped build along the year. And that that includes yourselves as well, because I'll tell you my little anecdote about Ottawa Coffee Fest. Um, I had spoken to you, I had spoken to you, uh, Jen, about two months before your first event. And I said, how can RGC get involved? You know, um, and RGC coffee, my, you know, the, the, the importing company that I, that I've been trading for, for the last 10 years, wanted to get involved because we want to be involved in anything specialty coffee. We want to know what's happening. We want to keep our finger on the pulse. And our team is very committed to, um, making sure that we're, we're facing clients and prospects and friends at all times. So a couple of months leading up to Ottawa Coffee Fest, I just noticed your engagement with the local community. You had guys like um, Henry Assad from Happy Goat. You had Blue Barn there. You even had a Montreal sponsor in Structure. And I told myself, this is going to be great. This is going to be like ECCM, but in Ottawa. Decided to take the trip out. And I was really so impressed and so moved that so many people would show up for something that up until that point I thought was like just so niche and so specialty and so catered to a specific type of person. And it, and it made me realize that we need to open this community up to a lot more people going forward, not just keep it into like this little tight niche of, uh, you know, 
us Q graders who are, are, are like spending two hours a day in the lab, just evaluating coffees. We want to make sure that everybody has that opportunity. So, so kudos to both of you. It was great. Well, thank you. That's, that means a lot. It's really interesting to compare, I guess. And like, it, it definitely is a timing. It's all about the timing. And, sure. um, you know, as you, as you see all these new roasters come up, that's, that's when you see that there is, there's interest. So it's, it's starting to, to be more interesting for, for everyone, not just, you know, people in the coffee business. Sure. Also the, the fact that it was, I'm not sure how big your team is outside of, you know, both you, Jen and Mel, uh, but putting something on takes a tremendous amount of dedication. Um, you know, these, these events mean a lot to a lot of people. Um, COVID has taken us away from the people that we would normally meet with two or three times a year and have a coffee and conversation with. So what I think is, is really important for us to do in the future is try to give it another go. I would say that, you know, we, we definitely have been dedicated to the, the attendees, uh, the sponsors, the, people who spent money to come see us on that day. I think we have a responsibility to come back and do it as well as we can the next time around, hoping that, you know, hoping that going to events will eventually be a thing again. That's kind of like what I'm, I'm really holding on to. You know, we, we did so much in such a short period of time. We made a lot of people happy. We gave people something to talk about, something to look forward to. After the last event, I felt like, I felt like I was in one of those football movies where the player gets carried off the field. Um, I don't know how you both felt after the first edition, but there's this feeling of elation where it's 99.9% hard work, making sure that you stay on top of everything, making sure that you try not to let anything slip through the cracks. And then there's like that five minutes where you can breathe and you can say, we did it. And then five minutes after that, you already start planning for the year after. Ultimately, you know, it's all for the love of coffee, right? Like it was the whole reason behind the festival and, you know, bringing our community together and stuff. And, uh, you know, we're obviously grateful for your help as well. You were, you were very helpful throughout the entire process. And like, you know, we weren't super familiar with a lot of industry related things. And so being able to kind of collaborate in that sense and share ideas was incredibly helpful. And, and we really appreciated the support. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and I do think that like, you know, events similar to what you just said, like right after, you know, our first edition was in March, 2019, and we didn't take too long of a break before we were already thinking of 2020, obviously not realizing what was to come, which was the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's definitely going to change how we experience events it's going to be different, right? Like some people are saying it's going to be more kind of events are going to go back to maybe like a, on a bit of a smaller scale, like, you know, you might, might not see these, you know, 1000, 2000 people events for a really long time. Um, sure. Because I think we have to slowly work our way up to that because the, because of COVID. What's really cool now is that we kind of get to go back to square one and just test the waters again. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of worrying about like, you know, 
where are we going to get the money to pay for this? Or, you know, who's going to sponsor this section over here? The electricals are a bit fuzzy, so we can't put anybody with like a, a, a three group, you know, Lamarzoko machine or San Remo machine. Uh, we, we have to, what we're going to be talking about now is we're just going to say, where do we hold it? Where are we going to do this in a place where people feel comfortable? What measures are we going to put in place so that we can have a casual conversation, serve some coffee and actually get back to basics? So yeah. I, I was actually interested in, you know, for your second event, I was so excited. I was asked to speak, you know, and uh, I believe it was around the time where I, I had finished my Q grader course and I was certified and you had asked me to speak. And I was like, really proud of that. You know, it's like being asked to speak. I've always asked people to speak for us. And now I'm, I'm getting this chance to speak. It's nice to, to have that, that split second of, of, you know, feeling that recognition for the hard work that you're putting in to the industry. And I, I feel like these events need to come back because, people are still continuously working hard and it's really cool. I I'm actually having this conversation, just really super excited to see what the next few years holds for both of our, our both events. events. I hope, I hope we can team up one day. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be really, really cool to do a joint event at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It, like you said, it's, it's so close and we share a lot of the same, uh, you know, the same communities and the same, the same people that it just makes sense. Do you, um, you know, since we're reminiscing, like what was, what's one of the, one of your fondest moments of like ECCM, you know, pre-COVID? <laughs> um, okay. Fondest. There's, there's something that really came out of ECCM that I wasn't expecting. Everyone who was there from the start of ECCM continued to help out throughout. So that was really cool. The best part of it is that every single individual grew up. In 2015, I had just become a father. I wasn't a Q grader. I wasn't a senior trader. I wasn't, you know, uh, the president of ECCM at the time. I didn't have a little bit more. I didn't, I didn't have that confidence at that point in time. I didn't feel like my chops were up to the task. And my colleagues, Jerome, Jerome was a barista. Jerome's now a business owner, you know, uh, Bianca, uh, went from kind of like being our guru for everything ECCM to being a mom twice in the last five years, her dream, her dream since she was a young girl, you know, and she's gone on to have a really, really good career in graphic design. Chris Capel opened up his own company. He sold one company to open up another company. Liam went from working at a, a brunch and bistro place in Montreal to being the director of coffee for Kittel. So that those are the moments where I really kind of feel, holy shit, you know, we went from kind of like a rags to riches story in the sense that this enriched our lives in so many different ways, uh, our personal lives and our professional lives as well. Getting a pat on the back after working literally a thousand hours in 2019 um, to to prepare for ECCM5 was also really great. Having having the the president of RGC, my my boss and my longtime mentor Ron Gabe, you know, tell me you did a great job after putting in all that time and sacrificing all those hours with be it family, friends, work, uh, was was a big highlight. Um, 
for me. So I guess it's a multi-part answer, but it's all those little moments with the people um, that I got to share that that was definitely the best part. That's amazing. Like just the, it's your own little community that you basically built and it all kind of started from people being interested in coffee. And then I'm sure you all kind of, you know, helped each other out in terms of, of getting where you are now. So that's, that's really inspiring. We were just chatting about the pandemic and, you know, how, how it might've impacted the, the community and the industry. So what, like, I know you mentioned, you know, there in previous calls that we've had that there are some positives, you know, just to end on a positive note um, that came out from all this. So what have you seen, like just in your field um, in Montreal, like in general, uh, just the positives that, that came out um, from the pandemic in the coffee sure. industry? Sure. So a tough question, but always, mm-hmm. there's always two sides to the coin, obviously. And luckily we, uh, you know, we Northerners are very used to long, cold and dark winters. I think, uh, I think we are probably more pandemic ready than most other countries in the world who are dealing with, you know, something this serious, um, you're seeing what's happening in other parts of the world where things are really spiraling out of control and you think to yourself, okay, we have a lot of restrictions right now. Quebec has a curfew. Uh, Quebec has closed pretty much everything down and frontline workers are extremely stressed. Any, any type of worker, anybody who's doing something for a living is feeling that, that fatigue, you know, quote unquote fatigue from all of this. The real awesome part just from a business standpoint, is that none of my specialty coffee clients have gone away. Everyone is still roasting and selling coffee. And I think that is a huge takeaway because you have coffee roasters who are not necessarily indebted because of places like the Canadian Roasting Society. Shout out to Andy and Tony in uh, in Point St. Charles. Uh, but the Canadian Roasting Society has you know, created this haven for anyone who wants to continue roasting coffee um, and is essentially just charging rent for using machinery, roasters, and and packaging equipment. And that alleviates a lot of that overhead that a lot of companies have had to, you know, essentially see negative returns on because of lowered uh, or diminished volumes, I should say. Not everyone is dealing with diminished volumes, mind you. Some people are profiting from the pandemic more than ever. If you're selling to a grocery store, if you're, if you're selling on Amazon, your business is up. If you're selling at Costco, your business is up. But if your specialty coffee roaster number 30 in Montreal or Ottawa, Vancouver, Toronto, wherever in North America, the world, what you're dealing with is a distribution hiatus a lot of the people that you sell to are not able to in turn sell the coffee at the same volumes. And uh, from a coffee shop perspective, things are a lot tougher because, you know, the coffee house has just typically been a place to gather, to sit down and to enjoy the moment. And now we're just telling people to take their coffee and go. So the, the, the real positive part is that everyone is still going. However much they are suffering right now, have suffered, will suffer, they are making a conscious effort to keep going. 
because they realize that this is a, a temporary blip. This is an anomaly in our, in our you know, space timeline. Um, but we will get over this. And I think hard work and dedication is what ultimately pays off. And I think that once we see the other side of the coin in a, hopefully a few short months from now, uh, that, that everyone will be in that green, you know, positive um, sales part of their, um, you know, of their year. Um, and aside from that, the positives are really things like this, still being able to communicate about coffee to people who love coffee. And uh, it's a real privilege to continue to do what I'm doing. I know a lot of people have lost their jobs throughout this whole thing. And I know a lot of people have have suffered greatly, whether it's through through a death in their family or, you know, a loved one losing their job. But we continue to carry on. And I think the message is very clear that we're, you know, coffee is very strong. Coffee is something that we need to survive. And so that's really the best takeaway is that we keep going. Mm -hmm. And and from what I heard from a few suppliers is obviously, you know, having to pivot and and in some cases like at home sales like have gone up a lot. And so it's kind of, you know, concentrating your business at for at home sales versus like industrial and like, you know, uh, in the in the in the industry business. So sure. Everybody who's used to having coffee um, outside of the house is now pretty much having coffee in the house. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're all doing the zoom call, not from our professional workplace offices. We're doing it from our home offices right now. That's, that's something that up until a year ago was, was possible for somebody like me because I work for a company that needs me to be available at all times. It's not the case for everybody. If you're a barista and there's nobody walking through those shop doors, you're staying home or you're going to have to find something else to do. What, what really kills me is, is going to be, you know, that, that person who really was taking off in their coffee career, that young, you know, that, that, that young barista just out of school or trying to finish school, whether they wanted to stay in coffee for the long haul, now they have another question to ask themselves you know, and, and, and that's what, not what coffee is. Coffee is the type of thing where it's like being in a band, you know, you, you can show up with tattoos and you can show up with long hair and ripped jeans. And there's a place for you in the coffee community. There's no prejudice. There's no, there's no animosity towards your, your gender, your, your lifestyle, your background. And, and these are the things where ECCM, Ottawa Coffee Fest, Toronto Coffee Fest, New York Coffee Fest, the SCA, the NCA, Bloom, uh, Maine, Melbourne, all of these coffee shows were just trying to promote inclusivity. The national barista champion or the, the world barista champion is not defined by your gender. It's defined by your ability to... If, to, to um, to execute the skills that are required in order for you to be the best barista in the world, no matter what your gender, what your race, what your background is. Whether you started your show in 2019, whether you started your show in 2015, or you started it 20 years ago, all of these things are building up to something, which is trying to be as inclusive as possible.
including the farmer who has a dollar a day to survive on and trying to get him a little bit more money, which is what I wake up to and try to do to the best of my ability every day that I work for RGC. And on the other side of the coin, it's working with ECCM and making sure that we include the local community and whoever wants to join us in our efforts to include. That's very important work that uh, that you're doing. And we're very grateful for, for that. And of, of course, yeah, promoting inclusion in everything that we do in our work is, is so important. Thank you. And thank you both for having me. And uh, good luck with everything that's, that's coming up for the next iteration of Ottawa Coffee Fest. And of course, we're always here to help out. And uh, we really appreciate everything that you're doing. That's awesome. Thank you very much. I likewise, if you know, we're, we're always here as well. And we're stronger together. So anytime. Great. So I guess just before you go, can you just let people know where they can learn more about RGC Coffee and ECCM? Sure. So we have, obviously we have dedicated websites. Uh, you know, you can just Google both of those names. RGC Coffee is a third generation green coffee importer. Uh, we have offices in Montreal, Los Angeles, and Bogota in Colombia. We are focus solely right now on sustainability and making sure that we link all of our clients, whether they be roasters or the drinkers to uh, our programs at origin, whether it's uh, gender equity programs or water conservation, environmental programs, farm workers programs. We really try to make an impact with the groups that we work with, hoping to grow this into something uh, much more scalable than what we have right now. You have to start somewhere. We started about 20 years ago with our first project. We're up in over 20 projects right now. I invite you all to go to the website. We have a YouTube page and you can reach out to me personally, Sam at rgccoffee.com. I'd love to answer your questions. As for ECCM, things are a little bit dormant right now on the Instagram front, but you can always visit our website. We have some updates there and hopefully we'll be back at some point later on this year, but more realistically, most likely in 2022. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Thank you, Mel. And thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for listening. Our podcast is available on our website at ottawacoffeefest.ca. Tell your friends and share the love. Je m'appelle Jen et nous sommes les cafés. My name is Mel and we're the Coffee Gals. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode coming out in a few weeks. Until then, keep supporting your local roasters and coffee shops.